give you my heart, I give you my trust, Jesus. You are my God, and you are enough, oh Jesus, oh Jesus. My heart is yours, my heart is yours, take it all. Take it all, my life's in your hands. My heart is yours, my heart is yours. Take it all, take it all, my life's in your hands. I lay down my life. Take up my cross, Jesus. Oh, you're my God, whatever the cost. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. And all Jesus, I surrender all to you. I and I will ever love and trust you in your presence. I will live and all to Jesus. I surrender all to you. I freely give and I will ever love and trust you in your presence. I My heart is yours, my heart is yours. Take it all, take it all, my life's in your hands. Take it all, take it all, my life's in your hands. Good morning, Community Life Church. Wow, that's loud. Uh, good morning. I'm Kat Seiler, the Director of Adult Ministries here, and it's an absolute honor uh, to have you joining us. Uh, whether you are joining us in person or joining us online, we want to give you a warm welcome. Um, as we get the service started, uh, we would ask that you please stand, and we're going to join our hearts together, and we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Father God, we thank you for this time. For the moment the opportunity to come to gather with other believers and to just pause. So many of us have stuff going on outside these doors that's just absolutely nuts. I know for me this morning was, I was barely hanging on and yet you're there. You're there in all of it. And we're so thankful for that father. And we're thankful to have this moment to be able to just slow down, take a breath, focus on you and what you have done for us. With thankful hearts, Father, we give this time up to you, and we do this in your son's precious name. Amen. So glad that y'all are here. We're going to worship the Lord together this morning.
worship the rescuer this morning, church. Lift our voice. I needed rescue. My sin was heavy. The chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter. I was an orphan. Now you call me a citizen of heaven. When I was broken, you were
God, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you that you have provided us with the assurance of salvation through bringing your son up from the dead and giving us an empty tomb that we can step out of ourselves and see that you have done what you said you would do and that Christ is who he says he is. We thank you for that hope and for that assurance that is alive this morning. God, I pray that as Scott comes to, uh, to deliver this message that you've laid on his heart for us, that, Father, we would already be prepared to be transformed by it, God, that anyone who walks through these walls today would leave a different person, leave changed by the power of the gospel today. We love you and we thank you. We pray all these things in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. Before you guys are seated, if you'll turn around, shake a hand, give a hug. Let the people around you know that you're happy that uh, they're here and that you love them. Good morning. Hope everybody's doing good this morning. I want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today at Community Life Church on this beautiful, I mean, it's, it's amazing Sunday morning. Um, whether you're joining us in person or joining us online, thank you for being here today. My name is Scott Verano, and I'm the lead pastor here at Community Life, and it is an honor to have this time to spend with you. At Community Life, we love God, we love our neighbor, and we believe that our mission is to connect people to Jesus because we believe that Jesus is the source of life. And so our hope is that you will find that source of life and hold on to it. And then you will also use whatever God has placed in your life to share that source of life with others. And if there's anything we can do to stand alongside you in this journey, um, please let us know. So I'll give you a fair warning before we get started. My ADHD is kicking. So just, if you're, if you're new today, you, it's going to be a show, I think. I don't know. Um, I will get every squirrel that is in this building um, before we're done, I'm going to figure out how to teach this message and stay on track and we're going to receive communion. And it's going to be an awesome day. Amen? Amen. So just hang in there with me. Um, we're going to get there. We spent the last um, five days in Disney World. Yep. I ran out of money, so I had to hitchhike home. We learned something very valuable as parents with adult children. Uh, you can just send them to the park. Meet them when the sun's going down, right? Like that's the only way to survive because you cannot go from eight to midnight. It just doesn't work that way. So uh, there's a little tip for you. You can do that or just don't go. That's another tip, but that, that, wasn't, that wasn't one of my options. Um, see that squirrel? See how that happened right there? 
All right, so uh, a couple quick announcements, and then we're going to jump into this message I'm so excited about today. Uh, there are two QR codes. If you're in the building, two QR codes on the chair in front of you. If you're at home, we're going to put them on the screen. The one on the left, that's an active QR code. It has all of the information about upcoming events. If you want to register for stuff, find out about things that are happening, that's, that's the way that you can activate and figure out that stuff. The one on the right is our giving QR code for those of you that are digitally inclined um, and you like to set it and forget it. Thank you for doing that. And that's one way you can do it. Or if you want to make a one-time gift, you can do it there as well. For those of you that are check writers, whoop, whoop, I know you're out there, right? We have lots of check writers. You're still holding on to that pen and paper. I get it. I'm a Gen Xer. I got both. Um, we have baskets here around the walls um, beside each door. You can write those checks and drop them that way. And, and here's what I would say. Thank you. Thank you for being so generous and supporting this church and allowing us to connect people to Jesus. Um, we work really hard to make sure that every dollar you give to this church is connected to connecting people to Jesus. And if you ever have questions about the financial health or direction of this church, let us know, and um, we'll, we'll do everything we can to answer those questions. But, but thank you for, for participating in the life of the church that way. Um, okay, so two, two announcements. We have um, our Legacy Review Dinner dinners tonight and Wednesday night, both at six o'clock and both are going to be the same. So we've had people smoking uh, backsides of pigs for the last couple days uh, so that you guys can have pulled pork tonight. I think that's what the menu is, is it? Otherwise, somebody was doing a lot of that smoking for themselves, but I think that's for tonight. Uh, what this is, is in January, okay, I got to back up. Okay, here we go. So big change in our church in November, and church just started growing like crazy. And so January, February, March, we've never had an opportunity to sit down with the church and just, just talk with the congregation. And so we opened up these things called legacy, uh, building on our legacy meetings. And we just gathered a ton of information, like 300 people showed up to those things. And we asked three questions. What do you love about community life? What are you struggling with? And what is it you want to do? And we took all that information together. Tonight and Wednesday night at six o'clock, we're going to disseminate that information to you to hear what it was that you said and to find out some of the changes that we've already made and some of the changes that we have coming up in the fall and really the trajectory of the church going forward because we're experiencing crazy growth, like trying to figure out where to put people in different times and services. And you're, this is a weird time between Easter and as we get into summer, but um, it's just insane the amount of growth that we're experiencing. And so we're just trying to catch up with all of that. And we're looking forward to getting that information out. That's tonight. You did not have to attend a legacy meeting to be able to come tonight. Just come on. Uh, we have children's ministry available uh, during that time. So if you're just adults and you want to hang out with other adults and eat food, come to the legacy gathering tonight or Wednesday night and, and we'll do that. And we'll just, we'll be able to spend some time together. That's one announcement. The other one is our hurricane preparedness. So for those who live here, you know that this is hurricane preparedness month. And um, for those who don't live here, welcome to the party. Or those who are just, just moved here, get ready. Um, this is the month where we all get ready. And what we've learned is if you all prepare, then no hurricanes come here. And if a hurricane comes here, we will find the one that didn't prepare and we'll hunt you down. No, I'm kidding. The team has been working like crazy. They've got these awesome packets, one for Escambia County, one for Santa Rosa County, a QR code on the front. Um, if you are a mobility challenge and you need help with hurricane shutters, or if you want to sign up for the team, um, stop by out there. They'll show you. They'll help you get set up. But we want to stand alongside you as a church in those times, should they ever arise. Uh, I will tell you, back to the, the financial giving thing, this church is very healthy financially. And um, we are set up that if there is a catastrophic event financially, we're okay to cover deductibles on this building and a month or so afterwards because if, if you guys get hammered and we get hammered, then we need to be able to do ministry. Amen? So this church wants to be there for you if this should ever happen. So find a way to connect and, um, and there may be a time and a chance for you to use a skill set that you never thought you'd be able to use in church um, in an event of a disaster. So make sure you stop out there and see them. Okay. Here we go. Uh, so last Sunday in our series, we are in a series called Before I Go. And what we are doing over these last three weeks is we are studying what's known as the farewell discourse of Jesus. So in his life and in his ministry, there were multiple discourses in scripture that's recorded. The Sermon on the Mount, that's a discourse. When Jesus sends his disciples out, there's a discourse there. There's a couple others. But really what it is is a conversation that Jesus has with the disciples where most of the conversation is recorded. 
And this one just happens to be in the last few hours of his time on this earth with the disciples. So it's been difficult to try and recapture what that must have felt like. On the front side of Easter, a little bit easier because we were connected to the story. So it's a little odd as we're going back and studying it now. But just imagine, if you will, um, this section of Scripture, John 14, 15, and 16, is sandwiched between the Last Supper and Jesus being arrested in the garden. So what the disciples just discovered at the Last Supper was that um, Judas was going to betray Jesus. So they heard that. Judas left. So now we're down to 11 disciples and the other group of the gang that was there. And that Peter was going to betray Jesus three times. And that Jesus was going to the Father and he was no longer going to be with them. Uh, There was no hiding that they were in a really bad way. They were concerned. They were broken. They were hurting. They were lost. And Jesus confronts that brokenness with this conversation, with this farewell discourse. So you have to remember that they are wrestling through, trying to figure out what he's talking about. And in this message, Jesus so masterfully puts it all together. Now, I need to say up front that I've studied things for a long time, and and then years later, you finally figure out the point. We are at a month of studying this, and I finally figured it out today. So like put all the pieces together to understand what Jesus is trying to do. It it makes sense. And so today I think you're going to see this scripture in a way that will will allow you to understand what Jesus is doing. But also, I'll tell you, the Holy Spirit. This series started off to be a a, a, a series about the Holy Spirit. But you can't pull the Holy Spirit out of these chapters without understanding what the Holy Spirit is doing in the chapters. And I honestly believe that if you kind of hang on today and you listen to this message, that when you walk out of here, you'll have an understanding of the role of the Holy Spirit in your life, whatever season of life that you're in. And we're going to deal with that in a second. So here at Community Life, we believe in a practical faith. And I want you to know that scripture is practical and you will have something that you can take out of here and you can activate in your life. Um, If you grew up in church, you came from a church that either always talked about the Holy Spirit more than likely, or never talked about the Holy Spirit. Um, But very rarely do you ever have just a good understanding and know how the Holy Spirit impacts your life. I honestly believe that today you're going to have a good sight line on on what that looks like. Okay? So, quick recap, and this will help us get to that point. John 14, John 15. In John chapter 14, Jesus, the first thing he does is he starts to build the theology of the Father and Son. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you want to get to the Father, you need to know that I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. I am the image of the Father lived out here so that we can see Jesus and we can know how to get to the Father. So he builds that understanding of the theology between the Father and the Son. And then in chapter 14, he also introduces the topic of the Holy Spirit. It's almost right alongside it, but the Holy Spirit is going to teach and train and help us to navigate through understanding Jesus in our life. That's chapter 15 or 14. Then when you move into chapter 15, this was last week, Jesus gives us this analogy about a vine and, um, and us being the branches. And so it's like he shifts courses. So imagine he's talking to the guys, he's teaching the theology of the father and son, and now he's going to talk about being a vine and, and abiding. Abide, 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 be fruitful, abide, be fruitful, abide. And what you learn is that what Jesus does in the theology is father, son, and now he roots us into that analogy as being a part of this greater mission. And what he's doing in chapter, I'm going to cheat and tell you the ending. What he's doing in 14, 15, and 16 is passing the mission on to the disciples. He's building the theology for it. He's preparing them for it. And these are the last hours that he's there with them. And what he does alongside of all of that is also give them an understanding of the Holy Spirit as being the one responsible to making it all make sense. So if you're lost at this point, don't worry, we all are too. So um, that's what the Holy Spirit's job is, is to pull it all together and to make it make sense. So today we're going to jump into um, chapter 16, and um, we're going to look at all 33 verses, but the actionable information that we're going to look at is about eight verses long. So a lot of it we'll talk about and we'll read through quickly, and then we're going to circle back around and we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and kind of bring that full circle so we can understand the, the full message. So here we go, John chapter 16. Jesus says to them, I've said these things to you to keep you from stumbling. So Jesus is trying to prepare them for what's about to happen. He says, they will put you out of the synagogues. There's no question. Jesus is letting them know, disciples, there's going to come a time when you will no longer be allowed to go to synagogue. 
He says, indeed, an hour is coming when those who kill you, does he pull any punches there? Not a one. When those who kill you will think that by doing so, they are offering worship to God. That's hard to even reconcile when you think about Jesus, the disciples, and, and they're, they're just trying to hold on through all of this. And basically he says, when you die, and there will be people that will come and they'll take your life, you'll have to hear them say that they're doing it in the name of the Father. Verse three, and they will do this because they have not known the Father or me. They'll say they're doing it in the name of the Father, but you need to know they have no idea. They've never met the Father, they don't know the Father. Verse four, but I've said these things to you so that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told, them, told you about them. So Jesus is trying to get them ready. Um, all the disciples were martyred with the exception of John, but it wasn't because they didn't try. They tried twice and ultimately he lived out his days because he survived the, the being uh, uh, put out on the island of Patmos. And so what Jesus says to the disciples is absolutely true, that all of these people came to martyr them on behalf of Jesus or in the, because of Jesus, but in the name of God. And so they had that coming and Jesus wanted them to know to prepare them. Moving on, the rest of verse four. He says, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. And so now he's gonna transition to talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, but now I am going to him who sent me, the Father, yet none of you asks me, where are you going? Because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. And so he said, guys, I, I told you I'm going on to the Father and, and it doesn't seem like any of you are worried. Who are they worried about? Themselves. Like they're consumed with grief about what's gonna happen to them. And Jesus is like, you, you're not even asking me where I'm going because you're so consumed in your own grief. He goes, but, but I understand. I love this about Jesus. Jesus says, but I understand that. I understand that you're consumed with that because I've told you that and sorrow has filled your heart. Verse seven, nevertheless. So regardless of that, nevertheless, we've got to move forward. There's some information that I need to give you. All of that can be true. You can be consumed with sorrow, but I need you to hold this truth that I'm about to share with you. And this is where the instruction on the Holy Spirit comes up. I'm gonna read it, and then like I said, in a little bit, we're gonna come back and we'll unpack it in deeper detail. It says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate or the helper, so the one that's gonna stand alongside you, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, verse eight is key. Jesus is gonna give us three things that, that reference three particular seasons of our life, of a believer's life. In verse eight, he says, and when he comes, he will prove the world wrong. So remember that, the Holy Spirit will prove the world wrong about these three things. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. And then he gives you a one-liner each verse about these three things. Verse nine, about sin, because they, know, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father and you will see me no longer. And about judgment, because the ruler of this world has been condemned. So those three things, different seasons of life and how the Holy Spirit is active in your life and what the Holy Spirit is doing for you, for your children and for everyone. And so we'll get to talk about that a little bit as well. Verse 12 all the way down through 15 gives us some more attributes. If you wanna know what the Holy Spirit does, how the Holy Spirit responds or acts, he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So the Holy Spirit is unified with the Father and Son. The Holy Spirit's not just out there doing whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do. There is a message, there is a keeping, there is a purpose and a design for the Holy Spirit. Verse 14, he will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Now back to talking about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's role. Um, I come from a faith system where there was a lot of emphasis that was put on the Holy Spirit. But when you read the understanding of the Holy Spirit, then you get a different picture of, of, of knowing how the Spirit works in your life. The Holy Spirit's responsibility is to glorify Jesus. And so if you have been a part of a faith system like myself, where all of the conversation was about the Holy Spirit, then I'm gonna, t this is my, I'll say this is my own opinion, and maybe I shouldn't pull back and say it because the scripture says it. But that means that maybe there's an off balance there because the Holy Spirit would want to put all of the insight onto Jesus. So in essence, in a, 
in a setting like this, the Holy Spirit's work in the spotlight and Jesus is in the spotlight. And wherever Jesus is in your life, that's where the Holy Spirit's gonna point the spotlight. So the Holy Spirit's not comfortable with the, I'm, I'm, that's just Scott's terms. Not about the Holy Spirit, it's supposed to be about Jesus. And that's what the Holy Spirit is always gonna be doing. Glorifying the Son, glorifying the Son, glorifying the Son. Does that make sense? Not weird, not kooky, it's the truth. The Holy Spirit is revealing Christ to us. Anybody remember where I'm at? Fourteen, thank you, John. Said so he'll glorify me because, because he will take what is mine and declare to you. Verse 15. And I love this verse. This verse, ah, uh, like, and, and I'm going to read this before we take communion today because you can't make this up. Think about the, the theological context and, and construct of this verse. All that the Father has given, all that the Father has is mine. This is Jesus speaking. For this reason, I said that he, that's the Holy Spirit, will take what is mine and declare it to you. Do you see how Jesus has now taken it from the Father to the Son, and now the Holy Spirit is going to connect it onto us? Just I, Bible geek, that's amazing to see that connection and how Jesus is making this happen for our connection to the Father through the Son and our ability to connect to the Father comes straight from what he's trying to explain to us. Now, verse 16 down through verse 20, um, 21 this is the most human part of scripture. Um, the disciples are trying to figure it out. They have no idea what they're doing, but I love this. John actually tells you about their conversation. Here's how we know the Bible is real. Nobody would ever tell on themselves this much if they were writing something, right? They'd make something look a whole lot better than what the actual truth is. And so listen to their conversation. Jesus says in verse 16, a little while and you will no longer see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. Then some of the disciples said to one another, what does this mean by saying to us a little while and you will no longer see me? And again, a little while and you will see me. And because I am going to the Father, they said, what does he mean by this a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. You ever been in that situation? No clue? God knows that you have no clue. You can put on the best Jesus face on the planet. But if you don't know, you don't know. Here's what I love about God. Holy Spirit wants you to know. Verse 19. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, are you discussing among, your, among yourselves what I meant when I said a little while and you will no longer see me and again a little while and you will see me? Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will have pain, but your pain will turn to joy. So he's preparing them for the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection. This is before it even happens. He's trying to get them ready for what it is that they're going to face. But then he gives them um, this analogy alongside of verse 21. When a woman is in labor, she has pain because her hour has come. But when her child is born, she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy of having brought a human being into the world. Some of you women would be like, no, I remember it. <laughs> I think Jesus was trying to make a point, right? Give him a break. He's the son of God. Um, he, I'm moving right along. So anyways, he tries to make the point for them to understand that they're going to experience some pain, they're going to experience some loss, but there will be a moment where they will forget that because of the joy that they're going to experience in the resurrection. Verse 20, so you have pain now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. Uh, so he kind of wraps that out, prepares them for the, for the crucifixion and the resurrection. Now, 23 and 24, uh, these are some favorite verses. Um, this is back to Jesus now, passing the mantle on, preparing the disciples and inviting them to pray. He says, on that day, you will ask nothing of me. Very truly, I tell you, if you ask anything of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be complete. Right, and we talked about this last week about how um, Churches have taken this verse and we've turned it into a, a, you know, making a request of a genie. Like you ask for something and you expect it to happen. And so in week one, I said, this is not Lamborghini, 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 poof, and a Lamborghini shows up. And then in the mail, I got a Lamborghini, right? Like somebody sent me a Lamborghini. And so I was really confused. And so last week I thought I would try it out. And I got on this stage and I said, land in Montana, land in Montana, land in Montana, poof. And in the mail, I got a bear that had a Landon, Montana shirt on it. I don't know what that's all about. So 
I did, in first service, I didn't know who it was, but it was Kyle that got this shirt, ordered it, and it just says Landon, Landon, Montana across the front of the shirt. So what I'm learning is to be very specific in my prayers. <laughs> We're going to get that land at some point, and I'm um, just going to go fly fishing until the sun sets. Uh, so this is not that. This is not request whatever you want. It's whatever you ask in my name. When you pray in the name of somebody or when you show up in the name of someone, then what you're asking for is in keeping with that name. So purpose, design, you're not gonna do something in the name of Christ that is not in keeping with Christ. So he's trying to engage them. He's like, you're not even asking, you're not even praying. You're letting me carry the whole weight of all of this. It's time for you to start engaged and start engaging. So when you read 25 through 28, Boy, this is so powerful because now he's going to tell them why it's important that they start praying and he's going to engage them. He says, I've said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures, but will tell you plainly of the Father. On that day, you will ask in my name. I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I come from the Father. So he says, listen, on that day, you'll, you'll ask in my name. He says, I don't say that I ask the Father on my behalf. In other words, you no longer need me to ask the Father on your behalf. You are now connected to the Father. You have the relationship as a son and a daughter of the King. And so it's important for you now to pick up this mantle and to stop praying. Now, so for all my theological people, I'm not saying that God doesn't Jesus is not the mediator and the one that intercedes for us. That's not what I'm saying. But he's engaging them in the process that you can call out to the Father in the same way that the Son can call out to the Father, that you can ask in my name. And so he's asking them to grow up and asking them to take ownership of their faith. Um, he says, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have, be have believed that I come from God. And so you see the connection of all three. Verse 28, I came from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I am leaving the world and I am going to the Father. Guess what? It's your turn now to carry on this mission. Verse 29, once again, this is my favorite part. This is the humanity side of the gospel. Um, you, ever, you ever been a time in life when you didn't have it, but you tried to act like you had it figured out and somebody calls you out on it? This is exactly what's about to happen. This is amazing. He's, he, his disciples said, yes, now you are speaking plainly, not in any figure of speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need to have anyone question you. By this, we believe that you came from God. And Jesus answered them, do you now believe? He says, the hour is coming indeed and has come when you will be scattered, each one to his own home and you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone because the father is with me. So we're like, oh, Oh, we got it. And he's like, you don't got it. You don't got it. You're not even close. He's like, but that's okay. It's okay. There's going to come a time when you'll be scattered. But don't, and and you're going you're gonna to think that you bailed on me. But don't worry, I have the Father. He says, I've got the Father. So he's not even putting that on them. He's letting them know that you're going to do what you're going to do. And I know what you're going to do. So prepare yourself. Verse 33, he said, I've said this to you so that in me you may have peace. I don't want to break that and make you feel like you've abandoned me. No, in me, you're going to find peace. In the world, you face persecution, but take courage. I have conquered the world. And so this is, this is such an amazing verse to understand that Jesus before, and I mean, he could now be on the edge of the Garden of Gethsemane and he could see the, 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 the torches coming across the Kidron Valley. He says, guys, you're going to face persecution in this world and this world will take your life. And they'll say that they're doing it in the name of God, but don't worry because there's something bigger than this world because I've conquered this world. It's a part of the story. It's a part of the narrative, but your life matters for something so much more. The greater narrative, the greater understanding, the greater truth of Father, Son, and our role in that and the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit uh, connects and pulls us all together. Cool scripture? Okay. Um, so let's, let's, just, let's just say this. Um, I think for me now, whenever I talk about the farewell discourse, it's, it's fairly easy for me to see that Jesus is preparing the disciples to take over the mission. He's preparing the disciples to take over the mission. And maybe that should be a duh. Like that's what he's doing. In those last hours, whatever that looks like, he's trying to get them ready. He's trying to coach them up. He's trying to get them to that place. And so it makes sense that he creates the theology of the father to the son the father conveys all that he has to the son. The son glorifies the father by living fully into his purpose. And then the father glorifies the son, resurrection and in life. 
But then Jesus builds a theology of the Father's connection to us through the Son, where he talks about in chapter 15, abide in me. And when you do, you'll be fruitful. You'll, get, you'll glorify the Father. You'll find your place, which is not in this world. You'll be persecuted by this world, but you find out who has conquered this world. Um, you'll recognize sin because of the Holy Spirit in your life, and you'll no longer be ignorant about that. And the Holy Spirit will be there to teach you alongside of, of all of this whole process. So, so you can see him now take that connection from the Father to the Son and moves it on to us. He puts it plainly, and for me, in that verse 25 through 28, he just puts it right out there and passes the mission off to them. He says, don't presume that I'm gonna be praying to the Father. You can do that now, that you have the ability. The Father loves you, the Father loves me, you love me. You have the ability to pray, and whatever you ask in my name, you're gonna get it. Think about the mission, think about the purpose, think about the design. This is your time, you are the plan, you are the one that's going to carry this mission to the rest of the world. Now, I think about that, and I'm like, yeah, that's easy to understand, unless the guy that's teaching you that is about to be nailed to a cross. I mean, think about it. This was the message. He's, he's teaching them deep, deep theological understandings in their last four hours together, after the Seder meal where they drank multiple cups of wine. Thank God for the Holy Spirit, right? to bring all of this stuff back around so that they can understand and, and put it all into context and, and be aware of it. Okay, so speaking of the Holy Spirit, here is, here is the thought that started this whole series. And I wanna unpack it for you because I think that understanding this will help you to, to know how God is present in your life. So in chapter 16, Jesus starts to pull all of this together and he does it in, a, in a, just a very understanding way. So in verse eight, he lists three things, sin, righteousness, and judgment. And these are gonna represent three areas of your life as a non-believer, as a believer, and then as a believer that's been glorified or that has, that has gone on uh, to, to eternity or beyond this life. So sin, righteousness, and judgment. And I'll just go ahead and tell you before I read these, I'm, I'm gonna give you the cheat sheet on the front side. That's twice I've said cheat sheet in one service. Um, when Clint and I used to do confirmation retreats for the youth ministry, so we'd go to Panama City and we'd get all of the, the students together and we would take them through confirmation and there was inevitably a, cas- a class about the Holy Spirit. And it's from this context or this text where we get these three words and I'll give you the words, then we'll teach it and then you can hold on to the words. The Holy Spirit's responsibility in your life is to capture, keep, and seal your heart. To capture your heart, to keep your heart, and to seal your heart. So here's the, here's the scripture as it unfolds. He says, sin, righteousness, and judgment. And then in verse nine, he says, in terms of sin, um, because they do not believe in me. So prior to knowing Jesus, there is an understanding, we got lots of churchy words about it, called provenient grace, where the Holy Spirit's responsibility in your life is to introduce you to Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him, so there's an opportunity for you to make a choice. I want you to know that the Holy Spirit has been pursuing you from the first day that you were conceived and you've drawn breath, that the Holy Spirit has been trying to make you aware of the destruction of sin in your life and your connection to the heart of God. Conviction, call it whatever you want to, but that's the Holy Spirit that's present in your life. And that that offers us a lot of theological understanding as to how the Holy Spirit interacts with us and with our children and with our parents and with those neighbors that are around us. That's the Holy Spirit working in this world, trying to convict or bring people to an understanding of the brokenness of sin and Jesus as being the one that can bring that healing about in our lives. So we call this capture. The Holy Spirit captures your heart. In terms of righteousness, so let's say the Holy Spirit captures your heart and now you're a believer. Jesus says in verse 10 about righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you will no longer see me. Wouldn't it be awesome if we had Jesus in person, boom, right here with us, walking, talking, so that we could do everything that he does. But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, I'm going to the Father and you will no longer see me. We're losing our example of how to be righteous in life. And so guess who picks up that example? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who lives inside of us, that's not relegated to one place as Jesus was during this time. The Holy Spirit who lives in you and lives in me and lives in believers that will teach us about righteousness. We call this transformation. In our lives, as you become a believer, you have all of that garbage that's in your life that now the Holy Spirit starts to work out. 
You start to discover righteousness. And that's the role of the Holy Spirit now, pointing towards Jesus, reminding of us of, of, of everything that Jesus taught. So the Holy Spirit is now taking us in that second phase of our lives. And then finally, the last one um, is in terms of judgment. Because about judgment, because the ruler of this world has been condemned. And so as a believer, um, you're no longer subject to spiritual death or eternal condemnation. That when you become a believer, your, your life is brought alive and you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And so I want to read for you just one, one, two scripture verses from Ephesians. It comes out of context, but you understand it in the context that it's in when you, when you read it. In, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, uh, Paul writes this. In him, you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance towards redemption as God's own people to the praise of his glory. And so the Holy Spirit becomes the seal that's placed on our heart that marks us as believers in Christ's righteousness. And so when we breathe our last breath on this earth and we move into eternity, and we can talk about that for another 24 sermon series, we move into eternity, the Holy Spirit is the mark on our life that brings us into, that welcomes us into. You don't have to, you don't have to answer questions at a gate as much as we try to make jokes about that. The Holy Spirit's gonna take care of that for you. Capture, keep, and seal. Is that simple? Can you hold on to that? No. Okay. Here's why this matters. And maybe you're a believer and maybe life is awesome, but you're worried about your children. Do you know that as much as you want your children to experience a relationship with God, God does too. And the Holy Spirit is active right now, bringing people into their life that they can understand, trying to bring them to a place to understand their brokenness and why they make the decisions that they do to bring them in that loving knowledge of Christ. And then maybe your children are believers or maybe your parents are believers and they're struggling and they're walking through a really broken time of life. They got off track. The Holy Spirit is there to bring about righteousness, to bring them through those broken times. Or maybe you're in that broken time where the Holy Spirit can, can bring that righteousness out from inside of you and start to bring you to a place of healing and a place of hope by reminding, by pointing, by allowing you to understand and bring you along. Does that give you a different way to think about your faith and to understand the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit is not some weird, strange, kooky thing. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God living inside of you that is connecting you to this greater story and activating it in your lives, period. If you know that, you're fine. Keep studying, keep praying, and allow the Holy Spirit to do the Holy Spirit's work in your life, and you'll get to know Jesus, and you'll be connected to the Father. Amen? Now, as we... Um, Move towards communion. That verse 15, I want to consider this. Verse 15 says, it says, all that the Father has is mine. For this reason I've said that, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Now here, and I'd like to invite my communion stewards to come forward. This is what's so powerful. He says, now the Holy Spirit is going to convey to you what, what God has given me. This table, the communion elements, and the words that we're reading and we've been studying in 14 and 15 and 16, they are connected to this table. Right after the Last Supper, these words are spoken. And so when Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is going to take what the Father has given me and convey it to you, I want you to know that when we gather around this table and we remember the broken body and the shed blood of Christ, this is God giving us that greater mission and that greater understanding of our role in life. Yes, this table is about finding healing and finding wholeness in our lives, but it's also about taking that and then bringing it to the rest of the world. Outside of our voice, in these houses and in these cars going up and down the street, there are people who desperately need to hear this message. And when you become a believer, it doesn't just sit with you. You get the opportunity to take now and allow your body to be broken and your blood to be shed, whether um, physically or metaphorically, and offered to the world so that people can connect to the Father. Father to son to us. It's our time now to represent the church to the world. But it all starts in remembering the one who was given for us. Jesus' body that was broken and his blood that was shed. Just amazes me that on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and gave thanks and he broke it. 
And he turned and he gave it to his disciples. Then he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you eat, do so in remembrance of me. No way they understood what was going on. And then he took the cup of redemption, as we talked about in the Seder meal. And he said, this cup represents a new covenant for the forgiveness of sins. And as often as you drink, do so in remembrance of me. And this morning, we're invited to do the very same thing. Heavenly Father, we love you. And we pray right now for each and every person that's here. God, that as we settle our hearts and as we, as we consider what the disciples were going through, God, we pray that even just a glimpse of, of, of what you were saying, that, that our hearts would grab a hold of, or that, that we would not be facing this world alone, and that this world would not have the ultimate victory over us, but that you would conquer the world, and then you would give us the one that would give us the keys to walk through and to face and, and, and to defeat all those things that are in front of us, ultimately for your glory and for your kingdom. And so today, God, as we take of the bread and as we, as we receive the bread and as we receive the cup, Lord, allow it to bring life to us. Yes, physically, emotionally, and spiritually offering healing, but God preparing us to live into this world in a way that will connect people to the lover of their souls. God, we offer this time to you. You know all the needs. You know all the requests in our heart. And God, we just present them to you. We love you. We trust you. And it's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, as, as the team is getting set up, um, I want to let you know that we, we take communion by intention. And so as you come forward, if you'll hold out your hand, we'll give you a piece of bread. You'll take that bread and then you can dip it in the cup. You can take communion that way. If you're nervous about um, germs, we have at each station individually wrapped communion elements. You can, you can take one of those. Uh, you can spend time in prayer. Or if you want to go back to your seat and take communion, you can do it that way as well. Um, we have a gluten-free alternative for those who have special dietary needs. If you'll come forward, either I or, or Addie will, will be happy to serve you. On the stage, we have... Um, Baskets, we take a communion offering every time we take communion. And the resource in that offering helps people with electric bills, water bills. Um, and you guys are awesome the way that you help to, to, to resource those who are in, in desperate need today. So thank you for doing that. And then last but definitely not least, uh, you, you do not have to be a member of Community Life Church to take communion with us. You're here, you're part of the family, and you are welcome to join us in these moments. I'd like to invite the first few rows to go ahead and stand and, and come forward and take communion with us as you're able.
before the throne I stand in him complete Jesus died my soul to save my lips shall still repeat Jesus paid in and stain he washed it white as snow oh praise the one who paid my debt and raised his life up from the dead Stand with me. I think we got, I think we got all the squirrels. Anybody see any squirrels running around that we didn't get? <laughs> I hope you guys have a wonderful week. I want to invite you to come back tonight at six o'clock. We'll have an awesome dinner. We'd love to see all of you. And if you're maybe visiting with the first time, and, and we'd love to get to know you, I'll be in this little room over to the side and we we'll get some information from you. Stop by in our next steps room. But other than that, have a wonderful week. Heavenly Father, we love you. And as we go from this place, I just pray that you would lead us, guide us and allow us to see your Holy Spirit maybe in a new light that allows us to really connect to the story, God, and to see what it is that you're doing. We love you, we trust you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a wonderful week, thank you.